재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 According to a recent study by the World Health Organization, every $1 invested in mental health treatment can quadruple returns in work productivity. Uh, the study also estimates that almost 10% of the world's population, or 740 million people, are affected by mental problems. And a collective fa- failure to tackle depression and anxiety costs the world economy $1 trillion each year. For more analysis on this, we're very pleased to have joining us the chair of the National Mental Health Commission for the Australian government, Professor Alan Fells. Hello. Hello. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. I guess the first question a lot of people would be wondering is, uh, what are some of the major reasons why we're seeing this uptick, this uh, dramatic rise in terms of the number of people suffering from mental health disorders? We are seeing a rise in the amount of mental health problems being reported. More people are willing to kind of come out and talk about it and to admit it and to seek treatment. Uh, In fact, in my own case, I'm fairly well known in Australia for years. I kept the fact that my daughter had a serious mental illness secret. Mm. Then I thought, well, I should make it public. It's no different from any other health problem and a lot of people have been doing that in recent times. The fact is that around the world uh, the amount of mental illness does not vary hugely from one country to another because essentially mental illness especially serious mental illness is best thought of as genetic as due to a chemical imbalance in the brain. It's not particularly due to how you're brought up in a family. It's not particularly due to stress. Mm. It is an underlying uh, chemical imbalance, physiological problem. So in most countries, something like 3 or 4% of the population have a really serious, persistent mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, other serious disorders. And another... 15% or so have quite serious problems of depression, anxiety that go well beyond the depression or anxiety say I might feel because I've had a bad day. They're clinical uh, level problems. They require treatment. Now, as I've said, that is fairly constant around the world. Now, I mentioned how there is an estimate by the World Health Organization, every $1 you put in, you get $4 back in productivity as far as mental health treatments are concerned. It sounds like a great return on investment. I'm not a financial expert, but can you just go over generally the economic benefits if if people put a priority on this? Yes, and of course, I'm sure everyone would agree that the personal effects of mental health on someone's life can be devastating. But let's talk about the economics. Um, Firstly, um, the fact that mental illness is not treated well enough in our society imposes huge, often unnecessary costs. Um, We have people typically only treated when the problem is severe, so they go into costly hospitals or they may be homeless or they may go into prison or things of that sort. Um, So 
if we uh, invested a bit more in prevention and early intervention, there'd be a return on that. Now, in addition, um, there's a straight productivity cost um, due to the fact that um, a lot of people who could participate in the workforce don't or, um, you know, the absenteeism of or the non-participation at all in the workforce of people with a mental illness is fairly high compared with what it could and should be mm. and is in the best countries. There's also uh, people who have jobs. Um, there's quite a bit of absenteeism and also there's quite a lot of so-called presenteeism. That is, people who go to work but sit there with depression or whatever and are completely unproductive. And the um, uh, international measurement suggests that that is maybe nearly 2%, 1.3 quarter of GDP cost from unnecessarily low workforce participation by people with mental illness and through low on-the-job productivity. Right. And then the other thing is that people lead longer and therefore typically more productive lives if they are well looked after in terms of mental illness. In a number of countries, it's been shown that people with schizophrenia, for example, live 20 years less than the rest of the population on average. So alone, just being cold economics, if people lived longer and could do more in society, there'd be an economic right. benefit as well as a personal social benefit. We're unfortunately almost out of time, but for the final question then... If everyone agrees, then this is going to do social good to have more investments in this. Do you feel that now, at least with an economic incentive that everyone can accept, that there will be more priority and money put into uh, these sorely needed mental health services? I'd like to say yes, but the history has been that governments give low priority to mental health uh, because there's not enough pressure on them from the mental health uh, sector because there's a lot of prejudice, stigma and discrimination against mental health. And frankly, there are more, quote, popular illnesses for politicians to focus on. Hmm. Yeah, it certainly is uh, bad news. Uh, even in countries like Australia, where there isn't priority given, uh, we see that, uh, unfortunately, the case perhaps even more exacerbated here in Korea, where it is still considered very much a social taboo to uh, admit that you have anything related to mental illnesses. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Professor, we will have to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and your insights on this very important issue. Thanks very much. That was the chair of the National Mental Health Commission from the Australian government, Professor Alan Fells. We've got Soul City News up next.